Hello there, this is Dr. Casey Bradley, and you're listening to the Real P3 Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the real pork producers around the world. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, we're going to be visiting Jim Eady with theswineweb.com. He was one of the first to bring the internet to the swine industry. And we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S.-Canadian politics and relationships in the swine industry. So stay tuned. Hello, Jim. How are you today? Great, Casey. How are you doing? Good, good. It's nice to catch up with you again. My, As I call you, my cousin from the north, usually the Canadians. So, Cousin, brother, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Ontario and Michigan are quite close, so... Yeah, I always considered it not that far. Some people think Canada is another foreign country. I just considered it just another state. <laughs> I bet that's what I think too, especially Ontario and then pure Michigan is great. And then people cross into Ontario for the Ontario Pork Congress and Stratford and people go through Michigan. There's a Michigan Pork Symposium and it's all the way to the Midwest from Michigan, Illinois to get to Des Moines, Iowa too. So it's a great, great kind of connection. Would you mind telling the audience a little bit about swineweb.com and your story and how you got started? Yeah, so about 16 years ago, we started SwineWeb. Jim Long came to me and he said, you know, I think you should get a swine industry website going. At that time, there was just print media and he wrote a famous commentary that was distributed through email at that time. And When I came into the game, I got a business unit going for an ag media company. And that's how I met Jim in London, Ontario. And he thought if if we started a swine website, that he wanted to be a part of that and using that to get his commentary out there. So it kind of fit in perfect at that time, kind of as a young graduate getting into the industry. I was a fan of ESPN.com, which is a sports site and I would go there to get all the scores and information in the sports industry. So it tied in perfectly with the swine industry, creating kind of a digital hub that producers and people in the industry can go for all the latest information. And the other component was breaking timely news stories. And if a company had a new product or Jim Long had a commentary or or somebody else had something to get out there, we had the tools to get it out there efficiently. I found that that was better than print where it was kind of on a monthly basis at that point. What is going on with media today? And as people change, I think I noticed this change in how we get our information in. It's You were ahead of the time 16 years ago. And now it looks like, from what I can tell, a lot of the print media is going away. When we started, it wasn't about taking away from print media. It was about efficiency and getting information to the public. And that was kind of the beauty of it was technology on a website, we can get something up in five minutes. And the print media was very lethargic and getting it out within a month and distributing it at that time. So what we wanted to do is build a product and a brand where producers could count on getting timely information And I can tell you, you know, for the first 10 years, we had a lot of good growth. And then I feel like things are a little bit stale in the sense of it was still we were hearing print is king. And I wasn't seeing that, but that's what I was hearing from from certain companies. 
Um, so we just kind of continue to stick with it and grow, grow our entity, add different pages, continue to develop our email list, develop the Twitter list. Because when we saw Twitter in 2009, at that time, Twitter was new. We would get on Twitter and see a Southeast Iowa hog producer. And we felt it was a strategy to follow these people to build that connection point to get information to them more efficiently. So we just kept on with our strategy. And predominantly what happened uh, during COVID or before COVID, podcasts had become popular. And then when COVID happened, it wasn't because of COVID that, that everything shifted. But I think people strategically saw that, hey, producers are using these tools to get information. And they're using them because it's easier to get information on a consolidated source to help your operation. And it isn't like it isn't a competitive thing about print versus digital. It's strictly digital as a platform that helps producers get information. So people like yourself even have started a podcast because you have all of the tools at your disposal to get these podcasts out and distribute them to people. So it's people are seeing the technology that's available and then they're getting a response on different things they're doing digitally with SwineWeb, where we've helped companies promote webinars that they've had good responses on, new products. So people are starting to slowly see that that digital is a tool that that and that and that's been effective. I was going to say, I've learned a lot about the digital space in the last two years. And I would say with my mentoring program, I had a very captive audience during COVID, during 2020, maybe earlier this year. And that's shifted since, you know, there's less shutdowns, more people are back to, to work, their students are going to class, they're in the research barns again. And it's shifted to more, I think, that that audience can't be there live, but they're still using, as you said, the digital tools and maybe shifting back to a podcast or with your swine newsletter of finding the information they need. And I think it's just, I think COVID changed our habits, but it's still there. Yeah. Like for instance, before our podcast today, we had an email from the Iowa Pork Industry Center. There was an event that, that was happening. So we got that event on Swine Web. We'll market it in our newsletter. We're marketing on our social feeds. And, and that's kind of what we're putting our hat on is that consistent information. So your reference was you still got your audience. It isn't necessarily live, but they'll, they'll tune in afterwards. Is that right? Yeah. Or follow up content and social media yeah. and get bits or pieces. And and I'm also teaching a totally different level of student that I've worked with in the past. I'm teaching non-science majors about science in maybe not a top academic institution. And it's really made me realize that people learn differently. And so I've tried out a lot of different techniques with my students of how I can get the message across. And I find that depending on the students, some need to be able to read the textbook still and learn that way. Some of it can learn by sitting, looks like they're sleeping and it must be osmosis really. But, and then, and some of them, you know, the YouTube short videos work really well. And I'm glad to see that information's changing as well for our industry. And we have different forms. Yeah. And, and what you're doing is great with all the entities 
that you have, and you're providing a platform that people can listen to when it suits them. And you're helping people by giving them information, and then you're spreading it through your platform, our platform, and other platforms. Another follow-up is Matthew Ruda, who does the Popular Pig podcast. He was doing a bunch of follow-ups from people from Layman Conference. So what I can say in the industry in the past, it was, you know, people go to Layman and that's it, right? And now people go to Layman and then you have people telling stories from the guests at Layman and following Mm -hmm. up on that information. And I think that's important because Layman is the main event to get out the information. And then you got to tell the story afterwards too. And I think it's the same with the World Pork Expo is the World Pork Expo is the premier event that we connect to. But I think post-World Pork and pre-World Pork is almost just as important to build a brand and tell a story. So then when you get together at the World Pork, people are more affluent with what's going on. And same with the Layman Conferences. People are go to the Layman Conference and that's the climax, the event. But after Layman, we can continue to tell those stories and we all have a platform to do that. And I think that's what the industry needs is continuous channels to communicate with what's going on and connect people together through a community because it isn't just through attending a trade show anymore. There's multiple platforms to do that. And for what I understand, that's what Swine Web has involved evolved into is this community or this platform to connect everybody with all the different channels and information out there. Yeah. Like, because every day there's something new happening. So we have a swine news page, commentaries, technical papers, feed, health and nutrition, facilities and equipment, podcasts. We have a page for everyone. And our goal is to inform anyone in the industry with what's happening in a timely manner. And the same thing as ESPN.com, if you wanted a live sports score or what's happening with your favorite team, you go to ESPN. We wanted to do that with SwineWeb. And it, it, it took a while to educate people on what we were doing. But I think that it's kind of, it's been paying off now because we keep, as long as we focus on content and promoting the content and the events and the videos, we want to have that one-stop shop for people to get all of that content. And that's what SwineWeb is, where the World Pork is the one-stop shop for all the suppliers that you can visit with. And that's what we've continued to do with SwineWeb. And same with, with your podcast. One of your associates reached out to us when you launched. And I thought it was great because you had lots of good conversations with people across the globe. And you're a storyteller and you're famous in your own right with all your technical expertise. So we thought that was a great opportunity to jump on and promote your podcast because you're telling stories. And that's what we want to do is tell stories. Well, I could say I'm also a fan of SwineWeb. I find your newsletter very helpful. I want to know what's going on for the day. I just read through the headlines. There's something I want to read. I click on it. I have the information I need. I move on with my day. So thank you for providing a great service that I use. Well, yeah, that's that's what we try to do. I know like the Jim Long commentary is really popular. I know people love that. It's it's kind of uncensored. I know that that's sometimes <laughs> sometimes a challenge, but it's like if you're gonna talk about something, like we can't censor what he says. 
And I think from an entertainment value, it's incredible. And he has a pulse of what's happening. And then what we try to do is backfill in on everything else, like Keith Good from the University of Illinois, economic reports, stuff from Purdue, Ohio State, Florida State. So we try to enrich people with everything on SwineWeb and hearing your feedback, you know, we really appreciate it because we're trying to put forth the best effort to get everything on one source and you can pick and choose what you want to read and, and what you, how the information that you want to get. So we want to take this break to thank our sponsors, the Sun Swine Group, NutriSwine, Swine Nutrition Management, and Pig Progress. But we also wanted to remind you of our new Facebook group, the Global Swine Professionals. We're going to be doing something fun, some live interviews, some Q&A, and we just want to hear from our audience. So that's a great place for you to take the time, leave us a comment, tell us what you want to hear, or volunteer to be on our show, because we're always looking for those awesome pork producers around the world. Well, that's all I had. So let's get back to that episode now. Let's refocus. You you mentioned Jim Long's commentary, and I read several of his commentaries and respect him very much. Let's talk about breaking down these border barriers. We still seem to have that in our industry and politics. It must be human nature. We can't get past that nationalism when it comes to even swine um, and pork production and things. What is your take on this, you know, American NPPC feel anti-Jim Long and the Canadians against the Americans and we could take it further. This is a global podcast. I love all pork producers around the world. I want to help every one of them, no matter if they have five pigs or they have 5 million pigs. I hope I can bring content to them that helps each of those. So what's your thoughts about this kind of these silos and these orders that we keep putting up in pork production and, and and where do we go? Well, I think we need to work together because the ultimate goal is to sell more pork and then we're all going to be successful. Now in Canada and the US, there's quite a bit of difference in the markets, but I, as we touched on in the podcast earlier, North America is what I see as, us as partners and working together. So the NPPC and Jim Long, from what I know, Jim Long has just been trying to get producers paid their the lot the CCAP payment that they're due. And he's not afraid to speak his mind. So what he was speaking, what he speaks is just factual. A lot of changes at NPPC. So they've went through a whole leadership change there. And he's just challenging them to get pork producers the payment. So I think we need to again focus on strategy. How do we work together? And how do we sell more pork and how do we get producers the payment that they're owed? Is there something more specific on the cross country that, that I've missed or you want to address? No, I just find that sometimes we get the stigma of, I feel from the U S that just because the Europeans does, does it a certain way or China, it can't be done here. And then, you know, I've gotten comments and feedback from me trying to work with different producers in the Philippines, for instance, that from an American standpoint, well, the American way will not work here. And I find this wherever I go around the world in pork production, that the stigma of just because we come from a different place doesn't mean that we can't help each other. And I think that's quite opposite. And that's kind of, you know, where do we go to bridge that gap? 
uh, to break down those barriers and be able to learn and interact and help each other versus this competitive other approach that my secrets are my secrets. And that's why I have the competitive edge. I think it still goes down to effective communication and strategy. Do you see something that we should be doing to tie the U.S. and Canada together more efficiently? Well, I think we we try to do that. I mean, as an allied supplier, I was able to cross the border quite often and get up to the you know Canadian meetings and things like that and meet with that. And then I've seen you know similar Canadians come down more on the supplier side, but I don't see a lot of interaction between the pork producers between the two countries and and sharing kind of that mindset as much as I'd like to see. So maybe that's a whole different strategy or approach. Yeah, we're shipping a lot of pigs down here from Canada that we feed out and things. And so I think maybe it's just maybe the, the picture I have of the industry, but just sharing knowledge and learning from each other. And I go to the, uh, the port cast guys and I wish it wasn't in French because I would, you know, I think they have a lot to offer and changing that mindset of how you said, how we communicate and get our message at messages out and help support each other. I think it needs to be kind of maybe an advisory committee or getting NPPC working with the Canadian pork council more and, and just opening up that line of communication and teamwork. So let's get to Canada a little bit. You have your pulse on with the Canadian pork system up there. What is currently going on in Canada? So Olamal has had some issues. They recently hired a new CEO last week, talking to some producers on Twitter. We're going to do a roundtable. The census consensus is packer capacity is a kind of an issue here, line speed in the US. In Canada, there's less independent producers in the US, there's more bigger players. So there's there's a little bit less of an industry and people to reach because all of the decisions are more vertically integrated here. Overall, I think that's that's some of the things that we've seen in the field and some of the producers we've talked to. So let's go to getting our message out. I think as producers, it's real push and it doesn't matter where we are in the world, that positive image we have for pork production for our consumers. You're a marketing expert. How do we do a better job at getting our story out and making pork the protein of choice? Everybody has a different opinion. I know I did a podcast with a local butcher who's really disappointed on the meat sales, like for pork. The bacon sells great, but I think pork is under 20% of what they sell with poultry and uh, beef being higher. So it comes down to a couple different factors. I think the other white meat campaign, I don't know where they were going with that, but I, I don't think that was a sustainable marketing effort. I think we need to figure out as an industry, again, how do we sell more pork? Do we need to, as an industry, hire or create a brand to focus on consumer pork sales? to make it easy for people to get more recipes on how to create pork or just the marketing and branding of pork. Like I listened to the popular pig podcast and Matthew Ruta talked about pork patties. So we, we never thought about it and we made pork patties and now they're part of kind of the bi-weekly meal plan because they're delicious, fresh and, and kind of baking them as you would a beef patty. 
So it comes down to where are we going to go with the marketing of pork? And does it come down to the pork board? Does it come down to an independent company creating a brand and making this a big thing? But I think that the potential, there's such a potential to increase the awareness, but it comes back to working together as an industry to see how do we get there? Is it a committee of people, someone from the pork board, someone from Smithfield, people like yourself or myself? Is it a committee that we put together? Do we need to launch a company to market pork and go on the consumer side? It can go so many different ways, but I think the potential is there. And if people really focus on a strategy, I think that's where we're lacking is that definitive strategy to sell more pork. And Genesis is doing a good job internally with their best tasting pork campaign, Mm -hmm. but that only goes so far because we need an industry to market our product. Well, I can tell you working with students who are not from agriculture. And then I've also had our apprentice from out in LA. Our message is not getting out. These younger generation, they don't know how to cook for one thing and let alone meat or how to cook meat, right? Or like you said, all the different things we can use pork for. And I think that's kind of, we're failing our our messaging and education of our students. And then on top of that, you know, this one bad message from a key influencer out there about pork or how pigs are raised and it's a disaster. And yet I feel a lot of times we've spent a lot of energy and time advocating to ourselves and not breaking those borders down to get outside of, you know, rural America or North America too, Canada. And I I think we need to be in tune with the butchers and the people in the field and what they're selling because do they need to do a better job? I, I don't know. Is it an industry thing? But it somebody if somebody focuses on it and builds a plan, I, I think then we can get some synergy. But that that's kind of what I've been hearing. And that's what I challenged him. I'm like, well, as a butcher, do you need to market to your guys? Whose responsibility is it? I think that's what it boils down to. And I think as a pork industry, if we feel it's important to sell more pork, it starts from our industry and we can filter it down to the grassroots level, which in the end is the most important for where people are buying pork. Maybe it's even in restaurants and young chefs trying to create more pork-centric restaurants and brands and businesses on that front. It it could be anything. I'm just throwing out a variety of different different ways because people want to eat food and love good tasting food. And, you know, I think pork for me is like 60, 70% of kind of our weekly in meat intake here from like sausage patties on kind of bagels to ribs to pork loins. So you name it, we, we have that full influx of pork, but we need to focus on one consumer at a time. And on an industry level, how do we connect with consumers, butchers, all the end users and build a brand and get, get people cooking and eating more pork. It's going to take a lot of work, but I think the possibilities are endless. Well, we need more people like Ron Simmons with Master Blend Farms out there promoting the product. He does a pasture-based system. And I'm not sure if he ever works on the pig farm anymore. So Ron, if you're listening, I want to see you working on the pig farm again. But he's going out to all his restaurants that carry his product. He's doing a cross-promotion. He's promoting their brands and his brand. And through that, he's growing. Like, 
And I think he's that key influencer I talk about that's bridging that gap between production and our consumer by his style or the way he's marketing not only his brand, but his his retailer's brand. So, you know, then directly to the consumer and really working with those chefs and the marketing and taking a lot of time. So I, I see him as a really good example and advocate that we could mimic more like. So what is he doing specifically? Because I know here there's like a Nutra Farms and they're promoting their product to ship it to your door. Or I talked to a guy in Syracuse, up near Syracuse, New York, who's expanding his operation and supplying only to a local grocery store. Is it, what is your example? What is, what's he doing? So basically what he's done is basically he's started out in the Raleigh area, that triangle in North Carolina, and he's marketing towards local higher end restaurants. Okay. But then he's taken that on. Now he's catering as well. So he'll have a, a catering truck there at the farm, but he'll also cater different events. But the unique thing is, is his brand's getting all the way down to Atlanta and he's going and visiting these different restaurants and working with the chefs, but also through social media, promoting their food, their brand under his. And I think it's kind of a unique perspective of how he showcases you know, ultimately the restaurant's his customer, but the consumer is the patrons of the restaurants. And I think he's made it a community marketing approach to sell more of his pork through these different entities. And with that, he's grown and outreaching in different ways. And I think that's, that's where we need to go outside the traditional go to the grocery store because he's connecting directly with chefs and he's building a brand that people will connect with. And then it almost becomes a point of interest to want to explore. So I, I think that's what we need more of. Anything else from your standpoint of the Canadian global swine industry, the, the digital era, any key thoughts? And I just think as an industry, we, we need to help each other producers. There's a lot of producers on Twitter. I think in Canada and the U S mm-hmm. and there's platforms that we can communicate, help each other with questions, help each other, you know, with different production techniques. And I think from a digital perspective is continuing to look at ways to make things easier for people in the industry, because people are busy, you know, running an operation and, with the podcasts and the things like that, we're trying to bring those technological solutions so you can go and have quick access to information and then continuing to look enhanced into the future. What do producers need? Do we need to do more videos, roundtable, create a brand to market pork better? Do we need to create like an app where there's you have all the suppliers in an app that you can connect with? So that's what we're trying to focus on and seeing how producers can communicate with each other and providing technological platform to just make it easy to get information and make decisions. Yeah, I was going to say Twitter to me has been the best tool to learn about what's going on and the problems that we need to solve. And I would say the most recent one, I would say if Uber Eats is listening, we need somebody with Uber Eats to work with our farmers to sit in line while they try to deliver their corn and soybeans at the local elevators. So I said, 
maybe that's what we need if we need to pay somebody like that to come sit with our trucks. We go back and keep harvesting or take care of our pigs. And when it's time to unload, we can go get our truck. So just some of the conversations out there on Twitter. And I find the guys on Twitter are quick to respond to what's going on in the market. Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a big thing. And they kind of go back and forth. And I also find producers on Twitter like to take photos of like in the tractor and, and the pigs and, and different things like that. Cause it's that connection that they share together. And I find that that that's been kind of effective is that community of people, people sharing and what's next for your group there, Casey? Well, ultimately my goal has been to create a community and I'm branching out more than just pigs when it comes to my mentorship and that professional development side of things, because I think it crosses over, but it's finding a way to communicate again, like we used to. And I go back to the why of the rule P3 and, you know, every Friday was payday and all the farmers would meet at the local bar for hamburgers. And we'd all sit around and talk about what's going on. And that's used to be how we used to communicate. And now with biosecurity issues, with the change in society, that's all gone. And so my goal is to create a community that we can still communicate with and get the information out, which obviously you're doing that effectively in Swine Web in a specific way. I'm doing that through my podcast. But um, we also got to be cautious of like being on Twitter, that can be a time dump and you can, you know, a lot of negative stuff, but I've been rejuvenated when, when it comes to social media, if I focus on my key community and that's the producers. And I know my messaging is getting out and ultimately helping them and, and they help me as well. It's a, it's a give and take. It's not just me dumping. And I, I find the companies who don't get their message out effectively aren't truly connected with their customers, either that's a pork producer or somebody buying pork. And it's these auto-generated emails that post it, you know, every Monday I post this post and Tuesday you have that scheduled and you're not really trying to communicate or have a pulse with what's going on in your industry. And I think it doesn't matter if I'm selling pork or if I'm selling a feed additive to a pork producer, I have to be in tune to what's their main problem today and how can I help them solve that? And I think that's where I think I need to see an evolution of social media, of print or digital information is you truly need to have a pulse on what the producer's problem is. I do realize that, you know, I used to sell phytase. Well, not everybody wanted to hear about phytase every day. We, you know, and I was successful by not selling phytase. I was successful at selling myself, my technical skills to help them with their problems that they had. And to work with me, they bought phytase. And it just was that fit. And I think we need to get back to that servant attitude and we need to focus on on problems of helping each other. Because if you ask a question, and Twitter is a great example, you'll get, like you said, immediate feedback. But if you're out there hateful or, you know, not speaking to their needs or their problems or genuine, you don't get the feedback you need. That's well said. And you've done a great job with your platform and this podcast. and. With all the the technical writing, you said you're behind on a couple things, so we got, <laughs> got some greatness to come. Eh, some more. Yeah, stuff. February of 2022 in Indianapolis, the AASV. They've asked me to come speak on uh, 
nutritional solutions for the antibiotic free era. So I'm trying to get that paper done, but yeah, that's something to look forward to. That will be, I get to go talk to a whole bunch of veterinarians and we'll see how much they appreciate a nutritionist perspective. So we'll keep our eye out for that and keep that cross border positivity (laughs) in in tune here. Yes. So before we go, I know we've had some cross dialect and different questions, but I always give my guests the opportunity to ask me any questions. So any last minute questions before we go? What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge in 2022 and in the industry and what something people can look forward to from your latest production that you're creating? Well, the biggest challenge I see is, you know, currently the market prices are dipping. We have supply demand issues. When it comes to feed ingredients, we've outsourced most of our feed additives to China and other countries. And so we're limited on supply. Lysine is a big one. So I think we're going to have that on top of with some lower prices, inflation, and then just the overall employee labor situation. I don't think that's changing much. So I think there's those challenges we have to work through. And then we'll still have our disease pressures. I don't see that going away either. But, you know, something to look forward to. Obviously, I have this podcast. I'm hopefully coming out with a more professional development one through my coffee and careers in animal science. So that's going to come out focusing on careers and professional development. It'd be based on if you're young in your career and you are looking of what do I do? Or maybe even somebody thinking about animal science it would be something to listen to. But I think it's also geared towards managers to understand the different problems that their employees are going to face and how they can relate to them. So I hope it's a content involved for all levels of of management and animal livestock. And then, you know, just creating different groups and programs for group coaching and, you know, team mentoring and different things. There's a lot of people out there that are looking for help and support and depending on their roles, aren't getting it through their companies or because the nature of being virtual or remote as we've changed to in the last couple of years is isolated people. And I still think there's a lot of opportunities to help people and grow. And so I'm hopefully going to grow those programs in that community. I'm also want to revolutionize how we think about internships and externships. And everybody's like, well, what's an externship? And it's really trying to get on-the-job training outside of the core skills you learn in college. So especially more of the master's level or PhD type students is what are they lacking in their education program? And it's usually around what you do every day, Jim, communication and, and social media. So trying to build those programs up and... You know, I'm still going to dream big that someday I'm going to have a regional sow research facility, but I'm not sure that's like in the near future anytime soon. That's what I have going on. Five-year plan. (laughs) Five-year plan. (laughs) That's Well, I was adding up the millions. I'm like, it may need to be a 10-year plan. (laughs) But (laughs) Well, thank you for your time and look forward to connecting with you again in the future and support. And thank you for supporting the Real P3. Yeah. Thanks, Casey. And really appreciate your time. Well, before we go, just wanted to remind you that you need to check out the United Pork Americas Conference coming up in April of 2022. Before we go, we want to thank our sponsors again, Swine Nutrition Management, NutriSign, Pig Progress, and the SunSwine Group. Don't forget to join our Facebook, the Global Swine Professionals. And as always, if you get a chance, 
Hug a Pig for me today. <laughs>